you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Picture it. You're on the beach in a beautiful foreign country. You start walking in the water and feel a sense of calmness and freedom rush over you. And you wonder, why can't it be like this all the time? Why can't I live here? Well, the truth is, it probably can and you probably can. So often we make ourselves believe that those moments can only be temporary. We must go home, go back to our lives, drive an hour to work, drive an hour home from work, live with the same people, do the same things, because it's what we know. But if it's true that most people at the end of their lives regret the things that they didn't do, more than the things that they did do, then we owe it to ourselves to at least try. And that's the subject of this week's Queer Money. Today we interview our friend Justin McCarty, who's from Denver, where we're from, but has recently completed a full year of living and working in Barcelona, Spain. Justin shares his inspiration for leaving the U.S., the logistics of how he left the U.S., and what it's like being an expat in a foreign land. Most importantly, though, Justin shares how he's happier and how he's discovering new parts of himself only because he had the courage to pursue his dream. We like to share stories of success on Queer Money, and success isn't always defined by achieving wealth or fame. Often, it's living the life you want. Justin's story will inspire you to live the life that you want, whether that's in Spain, the U.S., somewhere else. Just live your life. This episode of Queer Money is brought to you by the Debt Free Guys 7-Day Debt Freedom Challenge. To accept that challenge, please go to DebtFreeGuys.com. Finally, if you like this or any other episode of Queer Money, please help us get Queer Money into more people's ears. Please share Queer Money with one or two people in your life today. Thank you, and let's get started. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. All right, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. I think sometimes there's maybe a, a perk to being friends with the debt-free guys, and sometimes maybe there's not. So we have to ask Justin whether or not this particular circumstance is a perk to him or not. Or, or, or the opposite. We'll see, we'll see at the end of the call, huh? So, yeah, exactly. Um, so we invited a friend of ours to come on Queer Money to talk about his story yeah, we just visited him when we were in Barcelona, and he just recently wrapped up, I think, a year of being in Barcelona. Is yeah, just over a year. And uh, we, it was just fascinating how, um, you know, a little bit more than a year ago, he just made the decision that I'm going to quit my job in the U.S., leave the U.S., and move to Barcelona. And now he's just loving life. And we, this is an amazing story. And we know that a lot of people in our community want to live bigger and better lives and do some of these amazing things. But very often we're constrained by limiting beliefs um, and thinking that, well, I can't do that. That that might be okay for someone else. And the case is that we can all do whatever it is we want to do. And Justin's just one example of that. So we wanted to share his story. So welcome, Justin. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. So would you mind laying some context with our audience? What was life like for you, you know, two years ago or so before you decided that you were going to pick up and move to Barcelona? What, what were you doing here in the U.S.? Um, I was working for a major home improvement company in the U.S. I had been working for them for close to 11, maybe 12 years, working a lot. I was working, you know, 60, sometimes 70 hours a week. The plus side to that was I was making a lot of money and I could do what I wanted when I wanted to do it. The downside was I... 
I didn't have a lot of free time to be able to do things that I'm passionate about and to be able to kind of really enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an uncommon phrase to hear that when, when people are making a decent amount of money, they're also working hella hours, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I was constantly connected to my, to my mobile phone and checking my emails, uh, having to go to trainings or, or run conference calls or whatever it may be on my quote unquote days off. So yeah, I mean, I was working probably six, seven days a week, most weeks. Right. Gotcha. So how would you say in terms of like security and, and achieving your dream and having all that sort of American dream kind of stuff, where do you think you fell in that spectrum? Were you, were you there or were you almost there? Um, I would say I, I was almost there, to be honest. I mean, I had my own place. I had a car. Um, I was actually kind of on the fence about deciding if I wanted to, to buy my own place and really invest my money into to staying there or if I wanted to continue to travel and do things that I, you know, that, that as like the young kid at heart really, really wanted to do. But I don't think I could have been any closer outside of actually just owning my own home um, and being married. I think those are like kind of the American dream things that I was missing. But mm -hmm. otherwise, I was living the American dream, honestly. Right. And you're, you're from Denver, Colorado. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised. Um, I, I had a little stint in Las Vegas, Nevada. I lived there for six, seven years. Um, but the rest of the time I was in Denver. Gotcha. Right. So living in the middle of the country, living in a fairly well, well to do life, but also in a city that is somewhat expensive. So you kind of were holding your own, so to speak, um, had mm -hmm. the things that you really wanted, uh, as far as things go, but, um, it sounds like something was missing, right? Yeah. Um, to be honest, uh, I think that really my mentality changed on and my priorities had really changed when I had taken my first trip out of the country. Uh, my first time ever leaving the United States, I had come to Barcelona and it was four years ago. And I just remembered like the difference in culture. And I was like, wow, this is life. This is what people, you know, should be working towards, not towards having, you know, the newest model car or, you know, a pair of Louboutin shoes like that. Before for those things were really, really important to me. But then once I kind of experienced another culture and I experienced food, authentic food from, from, you know, another part of the world, I was like, wait a minute, my mentality had kind of started to shift. Yeah. Four years ago. So that was your first trip outside of the country. Yeah. And when was it you made the decision or when you, you first started to toy with the idea of leaving the U.S. to go to Barcelona? I, so the very first time I'd come out to visit, I was here for 14 days. Um, a little bit of a backstory. Um, my ex-boyfriend, if you want to call him that, from high school had moved out here 13 years ago. And um, we had reconnected on Facebook. And he says, hey, Justin, you should come out. I'm starting to work on some music. And, you know, I'd love to have some input. Why don't you come out and visit? And, you know, you get to see the city. And I was like, okay, I don't have a passport. I've got some things I need to do. So I went and got a passport, booked my tickets to come out here. And I'd come out at the end of April, beginning of May. And yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the end. I remember being here and I just kind of walking around and you know, looking at the architecture and all these things. And like, okay, this is pretty cool. I, I could live here. This is kind of a cool idea. But I realized that it was a lot more difficult than I was thinking that it was. I mean, I'd moved to Las Vegas. That was easy. I applied for a job, made it happen. The doesn't quite work that way when you <laughs> want to leave the United States or leave any country, for example. Right. So it sounds like uh, when you 
went for your visit, it was really just that. It was a, it was, I want to experience something new, but you exactly. were, you were somewhat, or for the most part, happy. Maybe, you know, if you could give us a one to 10 scale, how happy were you in Denver before you left for your trip? I, that's kind of a loaded question because <laughs> then I would have called myself a solid eight and a half. I mean, I had really great friends. It, um, you know, my family all lives in Denver. Uh, I had a good job. I was able to, you know, do what I wanted when I wanted. No big deal. But looking back at it now, I, you know, people will ask me that question, like, okay, you know, why did you leave the states? Why did you want to come to Barcelona? And then you know, now I look at it, and I think I would use the word content more than happy. Mm. So on a scale from one to ten, I'd say maybe a, about a five. I wasn't unhappy. But I, I, I'm definitely experiencing a level of happiness that now that I had never dreamed was possible. So that's interesting to me. So I don't know exactly how to ask the question, but where does that happiness come from? That, why didn't you have that in the U.S.? And, and what, why do you have it now? Well, that's another loaded question. I don't know. I think that I, I've really been able to kind of find a bit more of a balance with just experiencing life. You know, before my mindset was, okay, I want to go on this expensive vacation. I want to have, you know, nice shoes. That's kind of where I thought my happiness was coming from. You know, when somebody would say, oh, Justin, I love your shoes. Where did you get them? That for me was kind of like my validation, if you will. But I was kind of maybe too dependent upon the opinions of others. And that was where I was getting this false sense of happiness. Now, you know, fast forward a year and a half later and I'm living in Barcelona and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'm walking down the street seeing different faces every single day. You know, I notice something different architecturally or, or, you know, just the names of the streets, whatever it may be. And I'm finding like little bits of joy within those. So again, it's just kind of this weird, that kind of shift in the balance where I'm not necessarily looking for all this outward approval that's, that's allowing for my happiness that I'm actually focused a lot more inward. And because I have more free time, I'm able to do things that I actually really, really enjoy. I think it's interesting that you say that because it was actually um, upon our return from our six weeks of travel, uh, four of which were outside of the country, we received some pushback from people telling us that we're a little bit out of touch or that we seem a little bit you know, wealthy and out of reach. But Dave and I have mm. talked about this. We don't have a mortgage. We drive a 12-year-old car. Mm -hmm. We don't have children. You know, we don't have a gigantic house that people think is important. So we don't have a right. lot of the outward showy displays of, of our means um, because, right. well, I don't know, we, we couldn't have the travel lifestyle that we have if we had all those things. So we've just chosen that we want to have, we want to travel more. We want to save for our retirement and we want to give back to the community. We don't necessarily mm -hmm. want all these other things. So it sounds like in a way that's what you're experiencing. Absolutely. Um again, it's just, it, it's, I'm not really like reliant on, I don't have to go buy a new pair of shoes. I mean, I was having this conversation today because well, one of my students, she was like, oh, you have an iPhone. You're one of those guys. And I'm like, yeah, but my iPhone's an iPhone 7. I don't have this iPhone XS. Like I, I have zero desire to go spend, you know, 12, 1300 euros on a brand new phone where a year and a half ago or two years ago, yeah, I wanted the new iPhone. So I guess it's, again, it's just kind of finding that balance on what things are really, really important. And for me, at this stage in my life, experiences and memories are far more substantial and they give, they have far more weight than the physical things or the outward displays of, what is the word? I think what you're referring to here is the, is the outward displays that we attribute to having a successful life. 
right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to have a particular car because if I have that car versus one that's maybe ten or fifteen thousand dollars less, but is probably just as reliable, well, that doesn't tell people I'm successful. I want to have these these particular shoes, or I want to take that particular vacation, or I want to live in this particular part of town, or I want my house to be this big. They're indications to ourselves that we're successful, but they're also indications to other people. And we, just to let you all know, we did not ask Justin (laughs) to come on and talk about this before, but many of you know that this is something that John and I broke free from ourselves. And that when we realized that we could live debt-free and leave behind this need to, in a sense, anchor our happiness, uh, partly to what other people think it had just lifted this uh, this incredible weight off of us and allowed us to really focus on what makes us happy which i couldn't agree with you more right exactly I, that's that's the thing we love about your story is that what you are doing today is what we did 10 12 years ago although we didn't pick up and move on the other <laughs> side of the planet yeah, yeah. that too. we didn't do that yet <laughs> you don't know <laughs> but you know, we we live in a we live in a society or a culture, I should say, within the gay culture, where we have we've been striving so hard. We actually wrote about this recently in a, in a piece for uh, Chase dot com. But we, as a community, we've strived so hard for equality, and sometimes that equality means being quote unquote normal. We need to yeah. fit into the normal mold or as close to the normal mold so that we can get the equality, but. It sounds like for some of us, that means we kind of get trapped in this, the the typical Consumer. material things, consumerism part of society as well, which we can break free from. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I always kind of battle with, is it a thought of, is that this is the American mentality or is it the gay American mentality that we have to have these nice things? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, it's like kind of the, the peacocks showing their feathers. Right. I mean, I would remember like when I would go out, I don't know, to tracks with, with my friends back home and like, okay, I'm going to go to the mall. I got to get a nice shirt. I've got to look really cute. Now here in Barcelona, I put on a pair of jean shorts and a t-shirt. I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm going to go dancing anyways. And it's going to get sweaty and I might spill a drink, but I don't need to buy a new shirt for that. You know what I mean? Right. Well, so now you're on the outside of things. Is it a an American thing? Is it a gay American thing? Or is it just gay men in general, no matter what country you're in? What's the difference? (laughs) Well, I think that, okay, so I think that it's an American thing to start with. I think that we, you know, we have this idea of the quote unquote American dream, the house with the picket fence, the two and a half kids, the dog, the car, you know what I mean? This, the whole census thing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what we're brought up thinking. You know, you have to have well, as a young boy, you have to have a wife, you have to buy a house, you need the picket fence, two kids, two dogs, a cat, all of these things. So you have this, okay, we've got to show how we're successful in this manner, right? Right. Then you kind of put a magnifying glass on it as gay men, because now you don't just want to have a house. Now you want to have this freshly renovated house with this wonderfully uh, – dynamic European kitchen with three floors and you want to drive the, I don't know, the newest Tesla because (laughs) as a gay man, we're not going to do anything half-assed. We're going to, you know, you want to give us a goal, we're going to smash it, right? Right. Right. But to be honest, I here in Europe or here in in Barcelona, no, in Europe in general, because even the other places I visited, it's not really that. So I don't think it's a gay thing. I think it's a gay American thing is kind of the heightened version of it. Right. 
So we're just magnifying the the American culture as gay men, probably in a sense to feel normal or to yes. make up for like you and I've talked about feelings of inadequacy or lost time, not being able to live the lives that we wanted to live when we were younger. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, Justin, I think you brought up a good point here that as gay men or as LGBTQ people, oftentimes we are overachievers because we've yeah. always needed to prove something, right? We've always needed to prove that we were better at whatever it was, we were better at it. And so yeah. maybe that's part of the reason why our culture has gotten so wrapped up in the materialism and the showy display of success because we need to prove to everybody that yes, I'm gay, but I am I am a very successful gay man and so you can't yeah. knock me because I'm a very successful gay man. <laughs> exactly. We had to fight I mean from our generation, from you guys and myself, you know, where it wasn't quite as accepted as it is now for for the young gay youth, which fantastic. That's great for them. But I remember as a child, like I used to have to work, I, I don't know, I used to have to work twi twice as hard on my masculinity just to show that I was still a man, right. although identified as a homosexual. Right. You know, so there's kind of that drive that I think is instilled in, in us from from a young age where we feel like we have to be better than everybody else just to be considered equal. Right. So I think that as adults, it kind of has continued on into our adulthood where we feel like in order to be considered an equal with the American standard, we have to have the Tesla. We have to have the brand new flat. We have to have all of these things just so we feel like we're on the same level. So, Justin, what, what was it for you that, that said, it's okay? I'm okay with not having that, giving that up so that I can pursue something else that may bring me more happiness. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually my third visit to Barcelona in the course of three years. My cousin had just graduated from college, and we had come out. I was I brought her out here for a um, congratulations gift. And her and I were in the Mediterranean Sea. For me, this was a really big moment. I was a really chubby kid, and I never really took my shirt off and went swimming. So this was the first time I had taken my shirt off at the beach, and I went into the water. And I remember there was this sense of liberation that I, I can't put it into words. But I remember her and I were sitting there in the water and I looked at her and I said, Caitlin, I'm moving here one day. And she looks at me and says, okay, yeah, sure, Justin. Okay. You've been trying to move to California for six years, but okay. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, no, I'm serious. I'm going to move here one day. I just, I feel so at peace here. We went back to the towels where, where our friends were, my friends who, who live here. And I looked at them and jokingly, I said, just so you guys know, if Donald Trump wins this election in November, I'm renting out your spare bedroom. And they <laughs> said, oh, okay, Justin, sure, whatever. <laughs> well, I, th I mean, I did not move here. Let me be really, really honest and clear about it. I did not move here because Donald Trump is the new president of the United States. As a middle-class white American cisgendered man, like I really didn't have much to be concerned about myself with with the you know when in regards to all the politics but for me it was just kind of that extra little push that i needed to just try it was that that push that pushed me to take the leap mm -hmm. so the next day i i applied for school and i had my interview the following week i got accepted the week after and that was kind of where the long haul began because living as an expat in spain it's not an easy process 
it's a difficult process and you have to be really, really determined and you have to be 100% sure that this is what you want because it's time consuming. And there are some moments that I was like, what am I doing? This is way too much. Mm. But now fast forward to a year and a half later, best decision I've ever made. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. So I, your cousin laughed at you. Your friends in the towels laughed at you. Probably all yeah. thinking this is never going to happen. Um, yeah. All of your friends in Denver kind of <laughs> laughed at you too. Well, <laughs> oh, they did. Oh, they did. They used to heard like, what uh -huh, said about okay. him behind his back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, they did it to my face. Trust blah, me. They, blah, did, blah. they didn't need to do it behind my back. I knew exactly. They knew. They let me know exactly how they felt and what they thought about my decision to move to Spain. Well, and that's what I want to hear. What, what when it started to become more real in everybody's minds that you were actually going to do this. What responses did you get from your friends here in Denver and your family? Well, again, kind of another mixed bag. I had some of my friends that were so supportive and they're like, look, if it's going to make you happy, go. Um, I have a friend, he used to dance on cruise ships and he'd been, he's been all around the world. He met his husband while dancing on cruise ships. And um, he's like, Justin, this is going to be the best, best time of your life. Go do it. And I had other friends who were like, oh, wait, you're going to just leave me here? You're going to go live this fabulous life in some other country and you're going to just leave me here in Denver with the snow? And I'm like, well, yeah. Unfortunately, the answer is yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then the same thing with, with my family. I mean, clearly my family was far more opposed to it than they were for it. Actually, I had my grandmother, surprisingly, was the most supportive of this, um, of this decision to move out here. Really? Wow. Yeah. My mother, on the other hand, no. But my grandmother was like, listen, you're already going on going there on vacation once a year. Just go live out there. Come see us once a year. It'll be fine. Wow. So when I got my grandmother's stamp of approval, I kind of, I, <laughs> no, I didn't kind of, I knew that I had made the right decision. Right. Nice. That's awesome. It, it kind of reminds me of David's grandmother. Um, she passed away at 101 and I think she was like 99 or whatever when she said she hopes that someday David and I could get married. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> Whereas wow. our parents and people much younger than her were all like adamantly opposed to it. <laughs> right, right, of course. So there's some wisdom apparently that comes yeah. with that age thing. Well, <laughs> yeah, which is, which is kind of strange, no? Because if you think about it, like some of the older generations, like they would be, I don't know, they just were raised in just a different era where it was even less accepted. So, right. you know, as you get to our parents, you would think they would be more accepting and more encouraging, but no, it was my grandmother. She was like, please go, go, go. Yeah. So that's great to hear about your grandmother, David. Awesome. Thank you. Well, and I think it points out that the saying, I think that, that people repeat a lot is that when you're at the end of your life, it's not the things that you did that you regret. It's the things that you didn't do that you regret. Exactly right. And exactly so right. maybe people these older generations, they're at that point in their lives where they're thinking, you know, I had the opportunity to do this and I didn't take it. And mm -hmm. so you're sitting here and you're listening. If there's something in you, like with Justin, that just is, is an opportunity, give it some thought. Think about it. You know, we've we've had other individuals on the on Queer Money that have done gone through this same process, and we, we, this is what we are encouraging you to do, especially with this episode. Remember, we 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 like to tell stories of success, and not all of those stories of success are the fact that somebody is making tons of money or has reached reached a level of fame. More often than not, those those stories of success are when somebody says, "I'm happy. I'm smiling." I love what I do. I love where I am. I love the people I meet. And that's clearly what's happening in your life now, Justin. Absolutely. 
So let's talk some logistics. Uh, so you have this idea on the beach. Um, mm-hmm. It sounded like, if I'm understanding correctly, it sounded like you might even ha- have had a job before you returned back to the U.S. from that trip. Uh, can you? How, how did everything go from ideation to actual execution? Well, it, it wasn't quite that that easy. <laughs> I wish, I wish. So um, uh, I had met a guy out here his, from England, and he was telling me about he had um, taken a TEFL, teaching English as a foreign language course at um, a school in Barcelona. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's the name of the school. You should apply and just kind of see what happens. So, okay. So, I mean, I'd had this in the back of my mind. I, I mean, I finished the, the, we finished the trip in July. I applied for school in November. So, you know, I had quite a few months that I just had this kind of like thing pecking at me. Like, okay, there's still this opportunity. Like, just kind of go back to your normal life and just kind of see where you are. So, like I said, the day after the election, I applied for school. Awesome. So, in order to live here legally, which I am living here legally, <laughs> you have to, um, and work, you have to apply for a long-term student visa. So that means you have to be studying for more than 180 days at a time. So the teaching English as a foreign language course was for four weeks. Mm. Um, I then took what's called a developing teacher's course for the following, I, I think I ended up doing it for nine extra months. What I did is, I mean, this was fantastic because this course offered me the ability to learn Spanish. I live in Spain. It's kind of important that I'm able to communicate outside <laughs> of school. Yeah? And I it literally, went in regards to the, to the job thing, it was right place, right time. I was picking up my grades from the TEFL course, the, the four-week course, and the director of studies, which, by the way, I had no idea she was the director of studies in the school because she's just that laid back and chill, looks at me and says, hey, um, you're staying here, right? I said, yeah. She's like, do you want to teach? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, you'll start on Monday. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I happened to finish my course in at the end of July and August and September. Basically, everybody in Europe takes an entire month off for holidays, um, one month in the summer. So they were, they were short on teachers. Thank goodness. I started working a week after I had finished my teaching English as a foreign language course. And then the next month she says, hey, do you want to teach again? I said, sure. Then it comes to October, which is when the school year starts. She says, so I think we're going to get you um, 20 hours a week. How does that sound? I'm like, um, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> At this point, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I'd saved up some money, but that money was kind of bit by bit, you know, kind of just slowly leaving my bank account. So again, so right place, right time. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was some hard work that I'd put in ahead of time. I was really interested in learning Spanish quicker. So I wanted to set up a um, language exchange. I'd started with one of the restaurants really close to my school and they agreed. And then I was trying to get the school to sponsor it. So they saw some initiative and some drive within me that allowed me or or kind of put me in the front of their face. So they wait, we got to keep an eye on this guy because he might be a good guy to have in our pocket. Good. Thanks Um, for sharing that. Yeah, and that's kind of what had happened. Yeah, that's, that's that's definitely the example of when preparedness meets opportunity, right? <laughs> exactly. So Absolutely. You're, you're, many people might think, oh, you're a rich American living in Barcelona. <laughs> Things must be nice, right? <laughs> yes, well, I'm not a rich American living in Barcelona. <laughs> right. I wish. Right. So here, here's the example of someone who, and, and we know that many of you who are listening are not independently wealthy. <laughs> so if you truly want something, you have to work towards it, right? It, exactly. We don't we don't move by standing still, 
we we go backwards by standing still. So you were actually out there putting forth some effort to create some sort of opportunity. You didn't know that it was going to end up being a teaching opportunity, but you were looking to create some sort of opportunity and it yeah. came about. I mean, that was not my intention, to be honest. I did not ask for their support with this language exchange in hopes of getting a job. It was it was an absolute benefit. The reality is, is I just wanted them to announce it to their students because I wanted to get free beer at the restaurant. The guy <laughs> said if I brought in 20 people, I'd drink for free. I mean, come on. How, I mean, who doesn't want free beer? Priorities. You know what I mean? <laughs> awesome. That's funny. So, okay. So you've got, that's great. You, you figured out a way to get over to Barcelona, but you've got a lot of American stuff back here. So what did you do with like your, your apartment and your car and all your clothing? You didn't take all that with you. So what, well, what was that experience like? Okay, so in the last month or two, you know, my lease had ended in May. I started school. No, my lease ended at the end of April, excuse me. So I convinced my landlord to let me stay for an extra month at the same rate, which is very good because the next person who moved in ended up paying $500 more a month than I did for the same apartment. Wow. <laughs> I was very lucky. I'm telling you, I'm one of the luckiest people in the world. Even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, I have to look back and recognize it. <laughs> Um, so that's, I had that's my gratitude, right? Yeah, exactly. I had my American Justin estate sale. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that's what I was calling it. I mean, I, I didn't really put two and two together, but the reality is, is that's kind of what had happened as I was letting go of, of the American ideal of Justin. I, I mean, on my front lawn, I had artwork, furniture, TV, Clothing, shoes. Oh, my God. If you knew how many pairs of tennis shoes I had before <laughs> moving here, you, it was insane. And I'm just sitting out there, and I did it for a week. And I just kind of sat out there. Every now and then, a friend would come, and you know, they'd bring beer. They'd bring lunch. So I kind of got rid of that stuff. I, clearly, I kept some of the stuff that was, that was more sentimental. I, you know, My grandmother had made me a, a quilt when I was a child. That, of course, is um, at my mom's house now. Um, I decided to only bring my summer clothes because I was coming home for Christmas. And I had a winter suitcase packed, ready to go when I'd come home for Christmas. There's a funny story about that. So I had two suitcases, you know, some photos, but mainly it was just clothes and shoes that I brought with me when I had first moved here. Well, some weird things started happening to me physically from June when I moved to Barcelona and December when I came home for Christmas. Um, I dropped about 40 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so none of my clothes, my winter clothes that I had left in Denver for me to bring back, they didn't fit me anymore. So... That was another kind of going through my storage unit and donating stuff, um, you know, giving stuff to my cousins or whatever it may be, keeping some of the stuff that was a little too small for me when I was American Justin, and it's a little too big for me as Spanish Justin, but somehow <laughs> I make it work. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> David and I, every time we go to Spain, we happen to lose anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds, and I don't, I don't know what it is. That's all the walking. Because we drink a ton of wine when we're over there. We eat a lot of cured meats and a lot of cheeses, but... We always lose weight when we go to Spain. It's the portions and the walking. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, the portions are so much smaller here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're right-sized for human beings. <laughs> I don't disagree. I actually completely agree with you. All right. So anyone who's thinking about maybe following in your footsteps to Barcelona or maybe any other country, what um, mm -hmm. tips or advice would you have to help get them started and figure out exactly what they need to do? Um. Okay. So the first... The first thing you need to do is make a decision where you want to go. 
Okay. I mean, clearly, um, if you want to go anywhere in Europe, I can really only I can really only kind of give the the information about coming to Barcelona or Spain in general. But I'm going to assume it's going to be pretty similar anywhere that they may want to go. Do your research. Make sure that you aren't doing all of this for nothing. You know what I mean? I didn't want to sell all of my things and and quit a job of almost 12 years to move out to Barcelona for a year and then come back home and and have to start over again. So be sure that this is what you want to do. Do some research. I happen to research the, you know, the best English schools in Barcelona before deciding to um before deciding to to come out here and and study. And I'm glad that I did because again, the school that I took my my teaching English as a foreign language course at, I now work for. Um, Oxford House is a school that's in Barcelona. There's a couple of other ones in in Spain, and it's in kind of um, some other places throughout the world as well. Do your research. Save some money, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I again, I was lucky. I managed to get a job one week after I finished my course. I have many, many classmates who were not as lucky and have been, you know, living off of off of their savings. But make sure that you're you plan for that as well. And then also the big thing, I think what kind of sets me myself apart from a lot of the other Americans who come to live here is be open to the culture. Mm -hmm. You are a visitor in their culture. If you want to acclimate, acclimate. If you feel like you can't, then don't do it. Yeah. Gotcha. That's great advice. So how would you, how do you make sure you're acclimating? I, I think it's just pay attention and be aware. I mean... To be honest, there are a lot of stereotypes about Americans anywhere you go around the world. I mean, we have this reputation for being loud and being obnoxious and expecting everybody to speak in English. Maybe, I mean, if you're going to move to to Spain, brush up on your Spanish. If you're going to move to France, brush up on your French. Be able to be polite in a restaurant in, when you're shopping for clothes. But try. The, the key word is to try. Yeah. I remember um, I kept getting frustrated when we were in Spain because I'm not very good at Spanish. And every time I would have a sentence to say, I figured it out. I was all excited. And then the person responded back to me in, in English. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, but to your point, you're trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To your point, they appreciated that I tried. So they were a little bit more helpful with me. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I speak Spanish pretty well. And if I'm out with, with friends and we speak in English, and then the waitress or waiter will come and they'll give me an English menu. And I'm like, okay, no, it's okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I have the same thing and I actually, no offense, John, but I, I can actually speak in Spanish and communicate and, and get by. And they still do the same thing to me. But again, it's about the, it's about the intention. It's about trying. Right. Exactly. So what would you say was in hindsight, the, the one or two of the biggest mistakes that you made that you wished if you could do it over again, you would have done differently? I don't know, because the thing is, is I planned this out really, really well. I had been planning this out for, like, inception was like a year prior. I think I maybe would have continued working at my job up until maybe two weeks before I had moved, instead of quitting two months prior, mm. just to get that extra extra bit of money saved up. Mm -hmm. You know, my thought was I want to be able to spend time with my family and my friends before I go, and not be uh, obligated to have to work. Um, I'd say that's probably. I wouldn't even call it a big mistake. It was just kind of it's something I could have done better. I don't know. And then the second thing, I really don't have an answer for that one, to be honest. I don't have really any regrets in regards to this move or anything that I'm like, I absolutely could have done this better. Right. Nice. So it sounds like because you did the homework and you did the planning that it sounds like you don't have a whole lot of regrets in, in the transition. Exactly. Nice. 
Cool. So what's next for Justin? Are you going to stay in Spain? Are you going to go to another country? Will you ever come back to the U.S. to live? What do you, what do you see? <laughs> That's a really good question. I've been kind of in this weird emotional state recently where I'm really, really missing home and I'm really missing my friends. Um, I think it's the beginning of the school year and I just moved. So I'm kind of adjusting to, once again, a new beginning. Um, but I think I'm going to stay here for a while. I don't want to say I'll necessarily stay in Barcelona forever. Um, you know, I just went to Madrid um, last week and I thought it was beautiful. I wouldn't be afraid to to, to try them out. Um, but the intentions on moving back to the States anytime soon, no, I don't. I don't really. I'm just kind of really getting to know the real Justin, getting, really getting to know and get a feel for me that I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready to go back to that, Justin. Well, so that's interesting that you bring that up. So what what is it about whether it's Spain or just not being in your home country, what is it that's helping you experience this other side of yourself that you weren't aware of over here? I don't have the security blankets that I had back home. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I have really in, in this moment, I mean, clearly I have friends, I have people that care about me and are not going to let me fall flat on my face, but I've got to do this really, really, really like taking this leap of faith. There's no net there's no net and you just got to hope that you can fly. And that's kind of every day. It's kind of that. And that's where I'm kind of getting to learn myself, learn about myself and getting to know myself more and more every day. I definitely am far stronger mentally and emotionally than I gave myself. I still don't give myself enough credit for it. But there's a lot of that that's kind of that's happening in this kind of changing within me right now where I, I mean, I don't have my best friends to be like, oh, it's OK. Don't worry. You can come stay with us for a little while. Like, that's not an option at this point. Right. It sounds like, and I know that we've mentioned this on the podcast before, I think it was one of the previous issues that we did about uh, sex and money, but one of the sexiest things about a man typically is his level of confidence, right? When you can yeah. be confident in yourself and what you're doing in life, that's what makes people an inspiration and a leader. And when we feel it in ourselves, when we recognize it in ourselves, I think especially as gay men in the United States, where we've been told we're less than for so yeah. many decades, it's really, it feels really good to know that I am, I can do this. I can stand up for myself. I can take care of myself. I am a man and I am able to do this for myself. Now, I would say the same thing for any woman as well. Building a level of confidence, I think is, is absolutely important. But I think coming from what you just said, it, that's, that's one of the things I, I see is probably the primary reason why you're happy. Yeah, there's definitely a level of confidence within me that I had never dreamed of having when I was living back there. And I don't know where it comes from, to be honest. I think it's just that I don't have the opportunity or I don't have the choice to be insecure. I have to keep pushing. I have to keep pushing. And, you know, through all of this pushing and hard work, you know, I know that there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. I know that everything's going to work out the way that it's intended to. And it's just, again, it's kind of just putting this, this fire under me that's allowing me or it's giving me a lot more confidence. And it's, kind of presenting the real Justin, the one that's kind of been there. You know, I think back to when I was in high school, like the 15-year-old chubby gay guy who didn't really want to talk to anybody because I was effeminate. To now I walk down the street, you know, holding a guy's hand and I don't even, I don't even think twice. I don't even think about it. Yeah. 
Nice. In that story, I'm hearing also a little bit of what um, the story that uh, Lisa Nichols and Les Brown talk about, where there's a dog sitting on a porch, sitting on a nail, and it's groaning because it's sitting on the nail. And someone asks, mm-hmm. well, why doesn't the dog get up and stop sitting on the nail? And the owner says, well, he's just not uncomfortable enough yet. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what you, you forced yourself to do is to throw yourself you know, into an area of uncomfortability. And that's, that's forcing you to change and adapt and grow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's great. So any last thoughts or words of wisdom from any of our listeners who might be thinking about making the leap like you did? Um, Do it. (laughs) If you have the desire, just do it. I mean, what is the worst thing that can happen? You fail and you have to go back to your life from before. You know what I mean? You can do it. But do it with a plan. Don't just say, okay, it's today is October 16th. I'm going to move to Madrid on November 1st. I have 14 days to sell all of my things and figure it out. No, plan, but do it. Yes. I mean, and if you believe in yourself, if you believe in whatever your goal is, it's absolutely achievable. Right. And I will add, Justin, to your your thought here of planning it. Clearly, you had a plan, but... It wasn't a perfect one, right? You were you had had to leave some things up to chance or the opportunity when they when you arrive there. So for those of you who are thinking about this too, it doesn't need to be the perfect plan. You know, so many of us get stuck in this idea of perfection. So <laughs> please don't think it needs to be perfect and everything ironed out before you do it. Because if you don't, you won't. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh my! I I received my visa two days before my flight moving here. Trust me, there were hiccups. But <laughs> if you are just steadfast, you are going to be fine. That's right. And keep your eye on the prize. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you for it's. Uh, what time is it there in Barcelona? I it's almost five p.m. Oh, okay. So I, it's not terribly late. So I was thinking it was super late. So, um, well, no, thank you no. for making your time for us today. We I think this was a great show, and I think it'll inspire a lot of our listeners. Absolutely. I hope so. Thank you guys so much. Wow, that was an inspiring episode, and Justin is a great guest. Thank you, Justin, for giving us your time and for sharing your story. As many of you know, David and I were recently in Spain for a month, and we loved it all over again. And Justin was a great host for our third trip there. If you have an urge to do something different with your life, whether it's moving across the world, starting a new business, asking that guy out on a date, do it. Just do it. And hopefully this episode of Queer Money will inspire you to do just that. Finally, this episode of Queer Money is brought to you by the Debt-Free Guys 7-Day Debt Freedom Challenge. To accept that challenge, please go to DebtFreeGuys.com. If you like this or any other episode of Queer Money, please help us get Queer Money into the ears of more people. Please share Queer Money with one or more people in your life today. We'll talk to you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.